Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Kelly Erb. Kelly, are you ready to do this? Let's do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Kelly is the managing shareholder at the Herb Law Firm, where she focuses on tax law for families and businesses. You can find her regular columns at Forbes and several other outlets. She's written four books together with Forbes. She's a coffee drinker, cupcake baker, dirt lover, and a sports mom. I'm excited to have you on. Kelly, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thanks very much for having me on. Um, As you noted, I'm a tax attorney. I've actually been practicing for a bit now. I got my start doing estate planning and um, from that kind of uh, morphed into more international and family planning, which is pretty fun stuff. And then obviously, once you get into the planning, you're going to have compliance issues. So also kind of moved into the compliance work. Um, And as I was doing that, I had the opportunity to write a little bit. I've always loved to write. And I started writing kind of uh, mostly updates for my clients, like what they needed to know, the stuff that was really important and um, was noticed by Forbes, which was nice. And they asked if I had an interest in writing with them. And I did. So I freelanced with them for a few years. Then they um, made me an offer to uh, work with them full time. So I did that for a few years, but missed the law a little bit. So came back and now I am doing both, which is uh, kind of fun and exciting. So I am still a practicing tax attorney. And at the same time, I write a continue my column, as you mentioned, on Forbes. And also at the same time, I am a mom of three pretty amazing kids. Nice. Well, fantastic. So, in in preparation for our conversation, I thought, well, maybe I'll just try to research a little bit on what's going on with tax. So I typed into Google IRS news, and obviously a billion things came up. But as as we're closing out the year, as as we're moving into to, to next year, and this is such a big question, but what are some of the things that people should be focused on closing out the year, and then maybe we can move into what they should be thinking about in 2019? I think the most important thing to understand is that tax reform is making a lot of changes that folks really need to be on top of. Um, I think we've all kind of, you know, we all know the things we're supposed to do at the end of the year to get ready um, to to file our returns for the next year. But I think this year is going to be a little bit different. I think that folks are going to be surprised at what the changes mean for them. So I think probably the the number one thing that that people need to do is stay informed. Like, be aware. Don't kind of think that you'll figure it all out in April. Um, The IRS has already issued a lot of guidance about uh, making withholding holding um, estimates, making sure that your withholding is is where it should be. They have a withholding calculator on the IRS, uh, IRS website, so you can just go on to the website and figure out if you're withholding enough. Um, again, that's something that traditionally folks didn't really have to worry about, but this year, because of the changes, because the tax rates have changed, because some of the deductions have been eliminated, because of the way that we view the standard deduction that's been doubled, as you probably have heard, um, as a result of tax reform, there's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be folks who are going to be better off, and then there's going to be folks that aren't going to be as well off. And um, you just don't want to be caught by surprise either way. I mean, obviously, being better off is a good surprise, um, but you don't want to be uh, writing a check or trying to figure out 
you know, how to make changes in uh, in April. You want to make those changes before the year end. So my, my big advice would be to kind of make sure that you're aware of what your financial situation looks like. Make sure that you understand how tax reform is impacting you and or your business. And if you don't know or you're not inclined, you're really not interested, make friends with someone who does. So know a good accountant, know a good tax pro, know a good tax attorney who can kind of steer you in the right direction so that, again, you're not caught by surprise in April. Got it. So there's probably not an easy answer to this, but how, how would I find out if I'm going to be in a better situation or a worse situation based on the standard deduction doubling? Well, so, so there's a couple easy things that you can think of. So if you've always claimed the standard deduction, you're probably going to be in a similar situation, assuming that nothing in your family has changed. You know, you didn't get married, have a kid, start a business, do something that's a major life change. Um, that's a little bit of a generalization, but if you've always taken the standard and you're going to continue to make the standard deduction, you're probably on track for the same kind of tax uh, year end. If, however, you itemized your deductions, which is about a third of all taxpayers, which seems like it's not a lot of people, but it's like 50 million uh, taxpayers. It's right. a lot of people. So if you're one of those folks who itemized you're going to want to look at what what were those itemized deductions that you took advantage of in years prior, and are those still around? So a good example is if you're an employee, not a self-employed person, but an employee who claims a home office deduction, that deduction is no longer allowed. So you want to check and see how that's going to impact you. Is that something you depended on a lot? Because if you did depend on it a lot, it's not there anymore. That's a big deal. Um, similarly, the, the, the caps that you might have heard of, uh, in the news that folks have been talking about with the SALT deductions, that's state and local tax deductions. You used to be able to claim all of those uh, state and local taxes that you paid subject to a couple of, of caps that had to do with alternative minimum tax and other other limits. But pretty much you could deduct all of those taxes. Now you're limited to $10,000 for all of those taxes. So if you live in a high, a high tax area like California, New York, New Jersey, um, if so either in a high property tax state or in a high income tax state, you might not be able to take advantage of those deductions in the way that you have in years past. So when you kind of said, you know, it, it, there's no easy, easy answer, there's not. But a good rule of thumb is, again, if you previously were a standard deduction, um, person who relied on the standard deduction, chances are you're probably going to be in a similar position. If you previously itemized, you want to take a second look. Um, also, folks who have a lot of dependents, you're no, no longer allowed to claim personal exemptions this year. So if you've traditionally relied on personal exemptions to lower your tax bill, that's going to change. The, the child tax credit's still around. Standard deduction, as I mentioned, has been doubled, but there still could be an impact to you. And I, I mentioned at the top of the program, I'm a mother of three. I'm going to be one of those folks because kind of the sweet spot for a lot of taxpayers is two children. Um, so, so uh, you know, having the third is going to impact me. That doesn't mean it's going to impact everyone, but it's something you should be aware of. So, what was the wisdom in, 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 in making that change? Was it to simplify the, the tax yeah. code? Yeah, the whole, so the idea, of course, is that they're trying to make this more simple. And you probably remember um, Representative Brady holding up the postcard and saying that, you know, you're going to be able to do your, your taxes on a postcard. Um, that's not true. Uh, you're not going to be able to do your taxes <laughs> on a postcard at all. 
Um, the postcard is actually uh, the result of several several hundred pages of legislation. Um, but but it's so it depends on who you are. I get asked a lot, like, well, isn't this more simple? It's going to be more simple for some people. So in traditionally, if you were somebody who itemized your deductions but just barely, now it might make more sense for you to claim the standard deductions. You don't have to do all the extra math. You have a more simple return. So that's good for you. But if you're anybody who is, again, a self-employed person, there's a lot of changes that have gone, gone on with respect to how we treat pass-through businesses, so Schedule Cs, folks who have LLCs, partnerships, as corporations. There's a new formula for those folks. Um, if you are one of those folks who are impacted by the limiting of the deductions or the elimination of certain deductions, it's going to be more complicated for you. Um, if you're a single person who's a W-2 employee and always claim the standard deduction, then yeah, maybe you're one of those people that's easier for. So it kind of depends on who you are. They were trying to simplify it, but, um, you know, Scorsese says simple is hard. Simple is very, very hard. Um, I think that the, the Congress and taxpayers are figuring that out this year. And then on top of all of this, like to even make it less simple, um, the, the, the tax reform for individuals, not for businesses, is actually only temporary. We only get these provisions that are in effect right now for seven years. So after seven years, if nothing changes, it all goes back to the way it was before, making it even more complicated. Got a little moving target, Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's good stuff to keep in mind. How about being proactive moving forward? Again, I would make friends with a tax preparer or a tax attorney because you want somebody that you can bounce questions off of. The worst, the, you know, the worst thing to be in, in, in any profession, not just with respect to, to taxes, but any kind of financial situation, you don't want to be at the end trying to figure out what happened. It's always better to be a couple of steps ahead if you can be. So I would just, you know, find a good uh, tax columnist to read, find a good financial service provider that you can talk to and make sure you're doing the right things. There are a lot of self-help things you can do as well. Again, IRS's website is pretty good. You can go to the IRS website. They can tell you, um, you can plug in your information, see what your withholding should look like if it's not looking like that. The forms for making the changes are also on the IRS website. So there's a lot of help out there, but you have to be proactive and kind of chase it down because you can't just sit back and wait for it and see what happens and think I'll fix it later because then you could find yourself in a position where you have to pay more because not only are you hit with a tax bill that maybe you didn't expect, but you might also be subject to interest and penalties. Got it. Okay. And maybe there's not an answer to this question, but um, if if I'm a business owner, are there certain things that, that I should maybe be keeping in mind that are new opportunities to reduce my tax liability in 2019? And maybe the same question for, for a parent, maybe maybe for a homeowner. Well, on the, on the business side, there's actually a lot to do. I will say that for, for the most part, depending on your profession, for the most part, the um, tax reform bill is pretty business friendly. There's a lot of opportunities for what we call um, increased expensing, which is where it used to be that you had to deduct certain things that you bought for your business over time. Now you can deduct them all in the year that you pay for them, which is great because it's the actual economic reality. Like if you go out and buy a truck for your business and you pay for it in year one, you should be able to deduct it in year one, right? So there's there's increased um, opportunity for for expensing, which is really favorable for, for small businesses. There are some um, deductions that might be available for pass-throughs that were not there before to, to make you more complicated 
comparable to kind of the big corporate reform that we saw with the lowered tax rates. Um, that is, again, it's kind of that's a complicated formula if you're over a certain uh, threshold. So the threshold's around 300000 for married taxpayers. So if your revenues for your business are hitting those kinds of numbers, again, you want to make friends with somebody who can advise you because you can take advantage of deductions moving forward. Um, there's also a lot of planning opportunities for perhaps uh, changing the way that you view people who work for you. So one of the things that I mentioned before is that um, employees, there are certain kinds of um, expenses that you're not going to be able to write off anymore. So the unreimbursed job expenses for employees, that's gone. So that is uh, not only home office, but dues like union dues, uh, business mileage. There's all kinds of deductions that you used to be able to take advantage of that you can't take advantage of anymore. But self-employed persons can. So if you were thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't love working for somebody else. Maybe it's time to go out on my own. Maybe from a tax perspective, it actually makes a, a good. It's a good time to go out on your own as well. So you want to start kind of thinking if you're a business person, like how am I treating my income right now? What does it mean? What kinds of deductions are available, and is there a better option? And again, for something, I, I, I'm a big proponent of telling people, you know, you don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Like, don't make a life decision based on what the tax bill is going to look like. But if you were kind of being pushed in a direction anyway, like maybe I should go out on my own, maybe I should start my own business, then maybe now really is a good time for that. Similarly, when you mentioned um, like other people that might be able, able to take advantage of things that are happening right now, um, families that have uh, second homes, vacation homes, um, especially if they're ones like uh, multi-generational homes that you use, kind of that the little home in the Poconos that everybody goes to every year or the one at the shore that everybody goes to every year, and you've just been treating it as mom and dad's second home for a while, maybe now that it's a time to look at whether or not that could also be a viable business. Maybe you rent it out during the year. So there are a lot of planning opportunities. Um, you just have to be aware that they're out there and ask the right questions. Got it. Excellent. <clears throat> Um, before I forget, I wanted to, 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 to get your opinion on, um, you, you've said a couple of times you should make friends with a, with a professional and I appreciate that. But I think that if somebody wants to retain a tax professional to help them with this and actually pay them for it, how would you, how would you counsel them to evaluate the right tax professional? Because not everybody's going to do everything. Sure. Well, so so the funny thing to me um, is that when we treat certain kinds of professions like law and and finance, we we look at these these business uh, related professions and we treat them very differently than we do other professions. And I think that's kind of odd. So I think we should treat them the same as so you should treat finding your tax pro or finding your lawyer the same way that you treat finding a specialist for healthcare or finding a hair care uh, as someone who's going to do your hair or someone who's going to work on your car. The way that you do those things is, you know, you don't go, if you're, if you're getting your hair done, you don't go and see, you know, where do they graduate college and did they, you know, major in color treating. You, you ask your friends, right? That's what you do. You say, where do you, I, I like what your hair looks like. Where do you go? Oh, I understand that you did a, you know, you had some work done in your car. It looks really great. Who do you go to? Um, you know, I have this pain in my foot. I need to see a foot doctor. I know my friend had uh, an issue with her running last year and she went to this great doctor or who fixed her up, I need to ask her who that was. So I think the very first question is, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to your friends 
about who they use. Because I think sometimes when it comes to money, we tend to be in business. We tend to be really, really secretive. And I I don't think that's the right approach. So ask your friends. Do you have an accountant? Do you use somebody to do your taxes? Do you like them? Um, And so that's the first step. And then you interview that person, right? You call them up and you ask them questions and you see if it's a good fit. And again, I'm, I'm kind of wary of, you know, the kind of advice that suggests that you should ask lots and lots of questions to make sure someone's qualified. Because I agree with that advice first. Like, you should definitely make sure that the person is qualified to give you advice. But more importantly, you know, some of the things we were talking about before, like, you know, buying a home or your or your children, like these life decisions that you make that impact your, your finances, you want to feel comfortable talking about those things with somebody. So when you're interviewing someone about whether or not they're a potential, uh, potential fit for you, um, you want to make sure that you like them and that they listen to you and that you feel comfortable telling them things. Because, for example, if you were contemplating a divorce or you were going out on your own or you were contemplating any kind of big life change and you want to know what's the tax impact of that to me, you need to be able to pick up the phone and call someone and say, listen, you know what? I've thought about this. I've been in the same job for 20 years. I'm going to start my own business. What does that mean on the tax side? So you need somebody that you can feel free, uh, feel comfortable asking those kinds of questions to and, and, and feel comfortable that they'll respond to you in a way that makes sense to you too because you don't want someone who's going to talk over you. Um, at the same time, you obviously don't want someone who's going to talk down to you. So it's largely personality and, and, and circumstance driven. And so I think, you know, you, you, you ask questions of folks that you know, you get recommendations, and then you interview. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Perfect. Well, Kelly, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Um, well, I think the thing when it comes to taxes is people get really scared and they kind of clam up. And I will say that on the compliance side, most of the folks who walk through my door that are in trouble are in trouble because they were too scared to ask the right questions. So my big tip is that, you know, even when it comes to taxes and even when it comes to IRS, it's all fixable. Like, I think that folks assume that they've done something terrible if they don't file one year. Now they're in a hole. It's all fixable. Don't run from it. Don't be scared of it. Kind of, you know, you want to you want to encounter it head on. You want to say, you know what, I've screwed this up somehow, but I'm going to fix it and I'm going to find someone to help me maybe, or I'm going to fix it myself, but I'm not going to keep running from it. Because again, on the tax side, you know, I, I, I think that most of our fear comes from this unknown. So I think being able to say, this is totally fixable, I got this, just makes a huge, huge difference in the way that you kind of approach not only just taxes, but finances moving forward. Well, I think that is definitely great stuff and that certainly gets a come on. Come on. And 100%, uh, the IRS has got a scary name, and uh, their logo is kind of scary, too. So I think that's great <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, the eagle is a little daunting, yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, I'm pretty easy to find on social. Um, on almost all social media, my tag is um, sorry, my tag is Tax Girl. So you can find me on Twitter at Tax Girl. You can find me on Facebook um, at Tax Girl, LinkedIn at Tax Girl. So um, that's probably the easiest way to find me, or just put uh, Tax Girl in Google, and hopefully I pop up. I write for Forbes. I have my own site at TaxGirl.com, and I'm pretty easy to find. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Kelly your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to taxgirl.com, follow her on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you again, Kelly. Thanks very much for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, 
and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.